Welcome to Make It Click, a podcast about training, enriching, and loving your canine best friend. I'm Liz Knight, certified professional dog trainer, here to share stories and info on all things dog. Building a training relationship and navigating life with your dog is an exciting time, but can quickly become overwhelming for many of us. I'm here to share dog knowledge, share stories, and break down info for you. I'm here to help make it click. For this episode, I was joined by M. Fitzpatrick. M is a certified dog trainer through the Victoria Stillwell Academy and is the owner of, the, of Misunderstood Mutt. She also has a new business venture, Confident Mutts, which she owns with Karen Pryor certified training partner Logan Bowie from the Misbehaving Mutt. M specializes in reactivity and newly adopted dogs and helping dog guardians live a harmonious life with their dogs. M joined me to talk about her newest dog addition to her household, a chihuahua named Jinya, and to share what her experience of integrating Jinya into her home has been like. We also chatted about the importance and challenge of balancing the needs of multiple pets, and M shared tips for dog guardians who have recently brought a new dog into their home or are considering doing so. Enjoy! Well, hi Em, thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Hello, I'm really excited to be here and talk about our fun, exciting topic we're gonna to be talking about. I know, I'm really stoked. This is one that um, came requested, and so I was really excited to be able to reach out to you and have you hop on and share your thoughts. Um, but let's start with, if you wanna introduce yourself to everybody that's listening and share a little bit about uh, your current household menagerie of pets. <laughs> yes, so my name is M. Fitzpatrick. I am the owner of Misunderstood Mutt and a new business called Confident Mutts. Um, I'm a certified dog trainer and I somehow attract um, dogs into my life all the time and a lot of them have behavioral issues. I don't ask for them, they just appear. So <laughs> my little list of family members I have currently are Goose, who is a very anxious, nervous boy, Remy, who is very dog selective, and my cat potato who just spews anxiety from every bit of her and then our newest member is jinya who honestly her only anxiety is around kind of like vet handling so far she's mm. pretty confident so i was amazed that i got like a, a solid one um actually no no let's go back a little bit she has separation anxiety so yes okay <laughs> she I also love, like typical there. trainer brain it's like yeah there's no issues oh i mean like there's some separation anxiety but like it's fine yes 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 we don't worry she's it. our newest our newest member and she kind of is completing our little family at the moment yeah so on the topic of Virginia, i know um you went on a rather I'll say a rather unexpected journey, if you'll pardon the Hobbit reference, um, a rather unexpected journey uh, welcoming Junya into your household. So um, can you share a little bit about how that whole situation happened and came to be? Yeah. So before I get into that, I'm going to go back a little bit to kind of something that led us here. So we had a third dog last year. His name was Gus and he was just not wired correctly. He had a lot of issues just neurologically, medically, and his life ended pretty shortly after we adopted him because it just wasn't safe for him to exist in this world anymore. Mm -hmm. And after that, my partner and I had a lot of trauma around just adding another dog into our life. So we both were just like, nope, we're never going to have another dog. We're never going to seek out another dog. If another dog comes into our life, they're just going to have to appear because there's no way we can like go through this again. And then that was about almost a year ago this summer. Now we moved to a new home. We were like fixing our fence up so that the dogs couldn't get out of it. We have this tiny, tiny hole somewhere. And I was like, oh, well, if we ever have a chihuahua, we're going to have to fix that hole because a chihuahua will get through it. My partner was like, I am not a chihuahua dad. Like, do I look like someone that's ever going to have a chihuahua? And I was like, I don't know. Literally the next Famous day. last words. <laughs> yes. The very next day, we get home from dinner. We're about to pull into our driveway and our headlights beam on these little eyes in our cul-de-sac, which is just like a dead end. No houses are around it. And I was like, what is that? And he was like, it's a cat. And I was like, no, that is not a cat. That is a little dog. And I got out of the truck. I grabbed a bag of cat treats that I had laying in the truck. 
And she just immediately came running up to me. She was just this little five pound chihuahua. And she ran right back into her little carrier that she was dropped off in. But let me close it, bring her inside. And then I knew from there that she was never going to leave our house. <laughs> she had, uh, you had acquired a, a dog without any preparation. <laughs> no preparation whatsoever. I was like, at least we have this basement space that can separate her from the rest of the dogs because, all right, here we go. Here's another dog in her. Yeah, I guess, I I guess we're in it now. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm not putting her back on the streets. Like, uh, let's post her on the Nextdoor app. Let's post her on Facebook. See if there's someone looking for her. Even though I was like 99% sure she was dumped. I was like, I'll do my due diligence. Reported her to the county. Got her scanned for a microchip just to, you know, make sure everything was done legally. And nobody claimed her. No microchip. She's not spayed. Turns out she was a little seven-month-old puppy. And just immediately fell in love with her. Like she's so perfect, has so much energy. She's so brilliant. And she just fit into our lives so well with the dogs that I couldn't, I couldn't let anybody else take her. Yeah. I mean, it ended up being a sort of a perfect, a perfect unexpected situation in a lot of ways, yes. which is yes. really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it always goes. Perfect little surprise. So um, I, you know, I follow you on Instagram. So I had the pleasure of being able to see Jenya's journey with you from like day mm-hmm. one. Um, but I, it must have been sort of a wild feeling to just arrive home and have there be a dog just present, yes. essentially <laughs> on your doorstep. Yeah. So for me, I was obviously very thrilled. The dog trainer and me was just immediately like, oh my gosh, a new specimen that doesn't know everything that I can teach everything to again and be able to put my knowledge into this animal and like mold her into just a perfect little chihuahua. And then my partner on the other hand was like, what What are we going to do? Like, Remy doesn't like other dogs. This is, she's very small. Remy is very big. We have this new fence we just put up, and she can fit right through the fence. Like mm-hmm. his his mind went through all of the realistic things. My mind is just like new dog. Let's train her. This is going to be fun. <laughs> this, this is this so is great. Be nothing but joy. Right. Right. <laughs> so luckily, he went out of town that first weekend that she was at the house, and so before he left, I was like, hey. I just got to let you know that I really love this dog. Something something tells me that the universe put her here for a reason and like she can't go anywhere else. So I'm just going to let you think about that while you're out of town. And I'm going to spend the weekend here with her and bombard you with a bunch of videos. Love so it. I had introduced her to Goose and they immediately were like besties. So I was sending him videos of them getting along, her playing, and finally one day he texted me and was like hey we need to get this like I guess like a coyote vest for her since she's small oh, yeah is it the, the ones box. with like the little like spikes or the brightly colored things on the back yeah yeah and he was like we need to get this for her for the hawks in the backyard and he was like Surprise. things that you don't think about when your dog is under 10 pounds and I was like I heard your dog sold immediately she's our dog <laughs> That's all you have to say. And from there, she she was our dog. I love that. I love that you had the moment of I heard you say, you know, our dog, your dog. Yes. I yes. heard you, you know, take on that this creature <laughs> is now a part of our life together. Um, can't back out of it now because no. <laughs> you have claimed her. I, I saw it in writing. It said your dog. So I have right. mentally accepted that she is staying forever. <laughs> oh. You know, I think that brings up a good point too of like the the difference between where your brain went initially with finding this glorious creature versus mm-hmm. someone who maybe is not a trainer or, you know, is not fully prepared to dive yeah. into that experience, right? Absolutely. Especially with having a dog reactive dog living in your house, that can be a really scary thing. 
because while yes, Remy is about 50 pounds, she is a pit bull and she could probably do some serious damage to little five pound Jinya in 0.5 seconds. I trusted myself because of my knowledge and because of how much I know with integrating different dogs. This is something that I do daily with people all over the world. So I was like, oh yeah, I got this. But then, you know, a person without that skill might be like, I don't even know where to begin with yeah. all of this. Like, this is terrifying to even think about. Yeah. You know, and I think that that leads to one of the questions that we were going to chat about, which is, you know, when you are integrating a new dog into your home, especially in your case, where one of your dogs is a dog that we might classify as reactive. I had the same situation in my home when Bucky came home uh, mm-hmm. because Molly already lived here and she, you know, I would say is dog selective, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but how, how did that impact what your priorities were when it came to starting that integration process? Yeah. So I had to kind of make a list of different priorities for every dog in every situation because they all have different needs. And I wanted to make sure that I was meeting everyone's needs as best as I could while still having the house separated. So Goose's needs, he just needs to have his human companionship, have food, and he's pretty much happy there. So he could go with us everywhere with Jinya. He could be in the backyard with her and be inside if you wanted to. However, with Remy, I had to make sure that they were staying separate, but that she Mm -hmm. was also getting her needs met because she has a lot of isolation distress and some serious FOMO. So when she's away from me, that's not very fun for her and she gets really upset. So she would hear us in the backyard with uh, Goose and Jinya and it would make her really upset in the house. So trying to find ways to prioritize her time before, get her needs met, help her feel like she's still acknowledged, still being taken care of, and she's not forgotten about, and then going and meeting Jinya and Goose's needs, which was also kind of difficult because Jinya was struggling really badly at the beginning with some separation anxiety. So Mm -hmm. she is staying in a room in our basement while Remy has the top floor. And I would put Jinya in there and then she'd immediately start screaming her head off. Oh, and gosh, I'm like, yeah. I am one person that needs to go meet Remy's needs and then mm-hmm. go meet Goose's needs and also go meet Jinya's needs. So mm-hmm. making a priority list of whose needs come first in what moment was really hard yeah. at first when you have a dog screaming in your house. <laughs> yeah. And then you also have another dog upstairs panicking because she's hearing this dog screaming and she's also not with her favorite person in the world. So we found the joy of frozen enrichment <laughs> once again <laughs> and how much that can help you in these situations. So yeah, frozen enrichment became our main priority for the first month where everybody mm-hmm. was just here. I need time by myself. You all have some frozen enrichment, meet your needs go relax and we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. And I actually love that you brought up the point too, that you had to figure out which priorities were going to be able to be addressed in which moments, Mm -hmm. right? Because that might fluctuate depending on what time of day it is and what everyone has already done during the day and what your, you know, uh, commitments were that you had to fulfill right like that's a lot of moving pieces that I can totally see as being very overwhelming you know for a trainer for kind of out for (laughs) you know sort of a an average normal human bringing home a a new dog right yeah it is overwhelming and if you're in this situation and you're listening right now I see you and I empathize with you because it it is tough and there are times where I wanted to just curl up in a corner and be like, why, why did I say yes to bringing this dog into our lives? Why did I do this to myself again? But then realizing that it's just a part of the process and having to go through those things for the first two or three months will actually benefit us more in the long run than just bringing Jenya up here and letting the dogs figure it out because that mm-hmm. would have been a hundred times more stressful because I wouldn't have had a solid foundation with Jinya to be able to have her trust me and also look to me to guidance. 
And then she would just be chaos everywhere while Remy's chaos. And it would have just been chaos for everybody. So taking it slow in these first few months is so important for the mental well-being of everybody involved. Totally. And I think that's also, it's a really nice like bit of myth busting um, of, you know, I, I hear from people all the time, well, you know, you get a new dog and they'll just figure it out. Like the dogs will figure Mm -hmm. it out. And does that happen sometimes if you have two dogs who, you know, mesh really well for whatever reason? Sure. Mm -hmm. Is it still stressful? Yes. (laughs) Can it go Mm -hmm. really wrong? Absolutely. Um, So it really, I'm a much, I'm a huge proponent of the slow buildup, right? Of mm-hmm. <laughs> working on much slower integration, getting everybody comfortable um, yeah. because you're balancing, you know, like the needs and the preferences of your resident pets, plus mm-hmm. getting to know this whole new animal that yeah. you don't really have a relationship with or understand what their needs are. Um, and it, it, it works out much better in the long run to take the time to sort of figure out what all of that looks like before you put everybody together. Absolutely. And I, the, the whole like figuring it out thing, we're having a lot of conflict right now with Jinya and our cat potato where potato mm-hmm. is just like, no, this thing, I'm going to open the front door and this little thing can go out there and never come back. So <laughs> that one is going to take a little bit longer And a lot of people, I think, are like, the cat just needs to swat the dog a couple of times. They'll learn and they'll figure it out from there. Well, yes, I could do that with Potato and let her stand her ground and go beat Jenya up if I wanted to. But that's going to be super stressful for Potato. It's going to be super stressful for Jenya. And it'll be really stressful for me to watch that happen. So that that just is never the best solution for you integrating your cat with your dog or Mm -hmm. your two dogs together. You never really want to force them to figure it out when you can provide them with the tools that they need to do this safely. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we had a similarly, so Molly was the first dog that lived in our home. um, And then we adopted our cat Minerva a few years later, Molly had previously lived with cats. So that was a, honestly, a fairly easy integration, um, Mm -hmm. because I knew that Molly's had a had a very safe history with cats. um, And we still took things slow, used a lot of management. Um, But then when Buck, our now 12 year old pit bull came into the picture, we didn't really know what his history was. We knew he had Mm -hmm. been at a foster that did have other dogs and cats, but we didn't know how much integration they had. Um, So we took stuff super super slow um we had like one management failure where buck was able to chase minerva up the stairs and she swatted him on the nose and Mm -hmm. i felt awful (laughs) because for me i was like oh we didn't need to have that happen luckily everyone you know I got to the top of the stairs and Buck was standing on the landing with really loose body language wiggling around while he was bleeding from his nose. And Minerva was standing about <laughs> four steps pity. up on the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Minerva was standing about four steps up on the stairs looking at me like, why did you bring this home? Um, yes. So I think Minerva was like potato in that situation. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, you know, there was no reason to put that stress on either of them, especially intentionally to just say, well, they'll be fine. They'll work it out. Yeah. Um, you know, the cat will get a couple of good swats in. But if we if we don't need to start out a relationship being based in like stress and uncertainty, if there's other options, I say, why don't we take the other options, right? Absolutely. Because think about when you're stressed, how much harder it is to focus and learn new things. That's going to be the same thing for the animals involved. If you're starting the relationship off super stressful, then it's going to take longer for that integration to happen because their cortisol levels are so spiked. They mentally probably can't process it very well. And it's going to take a lot more counter conditioning work to be able to get them down to where they can even accept the food around this being most of the time. And no one wants to do extra work. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe some people want to do extra work, but personally, I don't personally I do don't extra work. <laughs> so the more I can manage and work on things from afar at a under threshold level, the better. And like literally two or three minutes of that work a day 
is mm-hmm. going to pay off in the long run versus doing 15 minutes where either animal is getting over a threshold and growling or barking or lunging at the other thing because right. then you've tapped into that. Well, here we go. We need to change some more feelings situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. It's sort of a, like why create a system where you then have to backtrack and redo a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, if we can do some good setup in the beginning to prevent yeah. that from happening. Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned that like frozen enrichment was a, a lifesaver for you. Um, <laughs> did you have any, do you have any, I know, right. Same. Um, did you have any other sort of initial strategies or things that you leaned on that ended up being really helpful for that initial sort of, obviously you're still in an integration stage or yeah. phase. Um, but initially sort of what was your, what were the things that you leaned on the most? Yeah. So utilizing my partner as well so we would kind of alternate if one of us was super busy the other one would take over with hanging out with Jinya if she couldn't handle being alone or vice versa and we would have one person outside one person inside consoling Remy during those times so that each dog is able to feel comfortable and we're not getting overwhelmed with one person doing everything at all times and trying to be there for three different dogs at the same time. We can at least use both of us to try to help meet their needs. And just doing a lot of like relaxation training was big for the beginning with Jinya. Just because Goose and Remy already know how to relax, it's something that we have worked on over the last couple of years, which right now, me, I'm very grateful for. Past past me taking care of that. (laughs) So immediately I was like, I'm not going to teach Jinya anything other than how to sit and lie down. Like those are the only things that I care right now. Meet her needs, get her out to go to the bathroom, teach her how to lay on something so that that is a default behavior that she will offer. So once she does start to hang out upstairs with the other dogs, she'll know that that's something that she can do to get those treats. And fast forward a month and a half later, that is what she is doing now. We've been working Mm -hmm. on her coming upstairs. She goes straight to the couch and immediately lays down or sits down and looks at me. And I'm like, thank you past me for doing this as well. You are so amazing. (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about a lot lately that teaching you know some sort of relaxation as a skill um because it really is a skill right it's not just Mm -hmm. something that our dogs know to do in the locations and contexts that we want them to do it yeah Um, but teaching that as like a skill set I think is so undervalued sometimes because it's one of those things that becomes so functional for life and for helping our dogs get comfortable in new situations and having Mm -hmm. like you said that she's able to default to that as a behavior um is like that to me is more valuable than some of the other things that we might think of as like the standard stuff you teach your dog first Um, absolutely it may not be quite as functional in an integration situation yeah yeah like i haven't done any leash training with her i haven't her recall is pretty good simply because she doesn't really leave your side. So that's not really <laughs> something we, we've had to really build on that much. But my main thing is like, let's just teach her how to lie down because that is that is going to be key. Especially if you have a chihuahua, you know that they don't like to lie down. <laughs> they want... <laughs> At least her seven month old her is like, I want to run around. I want to jump on things. I want to play. I want to shred sticks and leaves and jump on rocks and run this way and that way and this way and that way and jump on you and jump on goose. And I'm like, we need, we need some sort of serene activity that we can do together. We will, we will meet the need for parkour, Jinya, to (laughs) do all of those things. And then we will also teach you that you have additional options. Yes. That when we're inside. Rewarding and fulfilling in a different way. Yes. Outside is your jungle gym. The couch, (laughs) not so much. Right. (laughs) Even though she thinks that jumping on and off the couch is the best thing ever so I'm like whatever as long as you jump up and then lie down on it that's cool yeah we love that (laughs) yes yes she's like I love it too if I do this I get Cheerios give me more Cheerios (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, and I think that it's, I'm sure that it's been fun, but also challenging to not only have a, a new, an unexpected new dog come into <laughs> yes. the picture and have her be of a very different size than your current yes. dogs and have her be sort of a young adolescent, right? Like yes. that's, it's a lot of stuff that I'm sure you had to navigate, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, very exciting, but I'm sure also yeah. makes you think about all of the work that does go into making that be successful. Yeah. I grew up with small dogs. So her being a small dog wasn't unique to me. However, mm-hmm. it was unique to me in my adult life and in my dog training life, because since I've become a dog trainer, smallest thing I've had is a cat. And I'm going to be honest, Potato doesn't like to train. So I don't really <laughs> do training with her. She's a retired old lady. So she goes and lives her retired life. But yeah, I respect that. <laughs> I have so much dog stuff. But I realize it's all for big dogs. Like all mm. of my food toys are for big dogs. All of my harnesses and leashes are for big dogs. And I was like, she's five pounds. She can't wear these harnesses. She can't use these heavy leashes. She can't push this giant Kong wobbler around. Like I now it's I need to go. <laughs> yes. I'm like, now I need to go and get all small dog things. And find ways to like adapt our environment to be safe for a small dog too, because I, I never thought of doing that. Like our car stuff is all for big dogs. So I got her like a, a car crate and she needed a smaller harness, which finding a five pound dog, a harness is so tough, impossible. Yep. And then I had to order her like leashes that had clips that weren't the same size as her body making sure we had bowls that were her size and having to think about her like food intake was very different. Right. Big dogs. I don't know about you, but like with my big dogs, they just eat whatever they want pretty much all the time because they're Mm -hmm. big and they, they can consume more with her. I have to make everything super tiny and make sure that I'm not overfeeding her because she can become overweight so much faster. Right. That was like, what how many treats can she have? What do I do with this? I don't even know. Yeah. You know, and it's something like I, I'm not thinking about it. Like Molly's 50 pounds and Buck is about 65 pounds. And we, you know, maybe we're very lucky in that we haven't really had to worry very much about regulating their weight because Mm -hmm. if they get some extra treats during the day, then I'll pull out a little bit of their kibble that night. You know, it's not really been an issue, but I also can see, you know, tiny, tiny dogs, they only have so much they can take in, um, yes. you know, and all I use, I use a lot of kibble and training, but I also don't mm-hmm. want my dogs to only get their meals through training. Mm-hmm. I want them to have some free access to that too. So that also would limit how much you're able to <laughs> utilize for like treat purposes. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. I found that plain Cheerios have been like my go-to because you can break them up into really, really tiny pieces and they're not super high in calories. So that's been really awesome. I also love using Puppard's freeze-dried treats because you can break those into tiny pieces as well. Yeah, And then we try to just save her kibble for like her food puzzles and things like that because she can only get so much of it in a day. And I also want her to be able to have food puzzles and do fun food games. That's not just all of the training. So those just balancing those things. Luckily, I think it's because of her high energy levels. We haven't really had much of trouble with her gaining much weight during this big time where we're using a lot of food for this integration. Yeah. So I'm hoping that like once she's all settled and we can decrease the amount of treats, it'll be at a good time in her life where she starts to slow down as well. So we can decrease the (laughs) treats as she starts to slow down. (laughs) Yeah. We'll take advantage of the high energy, high metabolism moments. Yes. (laughs) Definitely. This is the perfect time in her life to be getting a lot of treats because she can burn it off really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) well you know I feel like I can sort of circling back to talking about like balancing meeting needs and prioritizing Mm -hmm. I feel like I mean I I am a millennial I fully admit that I am a millennial my dogs are essentially my children in a lot of ways like they are the thing that I spend my money on they are the thing that I spend my time on um and I can really like empathize with other dog guardians who maybe 
have recently brought a dog home or are thinking about bringing a dog home and are trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I balance this? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's not just the new dog and the resident dog or dogs or other pets. It's also everything else we have in our lives. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, jobs or friends and family or general like life things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I can totally see how that can be really overwhelming to think about. Um, And I know, I mean, I get the sense that you also experience some of that, but is it something that you like, as you've gotten more comfortable with what your routine is, that that's alleviated a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Now that we've been in this for almost two, three months, I don't even know how long it's been. (laughs) Some period of time. Yeah. Now that we have like this set routine and Jinya has finally learned her routine and is not like totally freaked out about being left alone. And she's like, okay, I get it. They're going to come back for me. I'm not being abandoned once again. That's what my mind is telling me. Um, Mm -hmm. But it has slowly gotten easier and honestly things just have been picking up more since we started working on her and Remy's relationship integrating them that was really the turning point where I was like okay we can actually breathe now and we're not having to manage so many different things because honestly Remy blew me away with it we brought them out Remy did not react to her and she literally pulled me over to go investigate this tiny thing asked me for some treats and that's pretty much how it went they've been hanging out ever since then Remy doesn't have to have her muzzle on around her and that's amazing going too well that it like scares me how well it's going I'm like where's the surprise what's going to happen but once we did that it started to get better um because we were postponing pretty much our lives to meet all of the needs of all of these animals for that right. period of time. Like you said, I'm also a millennial. So my animals are my children. And if their needs aren't met, I'm not going out and doing things. Like I'm mm-hmm. here to take care of them and ensure that everyone's happy and safe. Yeah. And so that was a big thing where I didn't want to go out and do things because I wanted to make sure that this tiny little dog was okay and my partner was like let's bring her and I was like no we've only had her here for like a week we can't bring her out into the real world yet because it's like, she's be too stressful <laughs> yes. does yeah. even know me <laughs> yeah. so that's yeah. also another tip is like once you bring that new dog home don't rush to like bring them out to everything and don't rush mm-hmm. to have everyone come over and meet them because you're still getting to know them and they're still getting to know their new space that can be so overwhelming for everybody involved. Yeah. And even when we know that it's a safe situation and that our dogs are safe, they might not know that, that, you know, our, our knowing that something is safe doesn't mean that our dogs feel that sense of safety. Mm -hmm. So I, I love the advice of like taking things slow and you know, when you bring a new pet into your home, it's super exciting and you want Mm -hmm. to show them off to the world and bring them places and do fun stuff. But holding off on that is more beneficial because it means that you run less of a risk of having them get totally overwhelmed and then have to like backtrack majorly with something. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And wanting to share them with the world. Luckily, we live in a time right now where we have little apps on our phone called (laughs) Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And you can share your beautiful, precious, new furry friend with the whole entire world through that tiny little app on your phone. Yeah. And you know what? If somebody here has a new dog and they need someone to share it with, just send it to me. I will never complain uh, about receiving dog photos. (laughs) So... (laughs) yes send me all of your new dog content (laughs) we will fully support that endeavor (laughs) yes yes we can hear from a distance about your new dog and tell you that they are amazing and you're doing everything right yes yes love it yeah Well, on the topic of sort of like advice for people who either have a new dog or are thinking about bringing one home, um, do you have sort of like key 
pointers you would give to people. I love the one of like, don't bring them out and have everyone over mm-hmm. immediately. <laughs> but are yeah. there other things that you find are the most important for setting up for success initially? Yes. This is funny you ask because I have just uh, launched a new service where it's working with people and newly adopted dogs. So if you are a newly adopted dog parent, let me know. Um, but my number one advice is hiring a certified dog trainer mm-hmm. literally as soon as possible. Even if you haven't brought your new dog home yet, if you're just thinking about it, go ahead and find someone that you trust, yes. get them, you know, get a, something booked, talk to them about what you might need, what to expect, what to look for. And if you haven't done that and you've already brought this new dog home, hire someone as soon as you possibly can because they can help you create new routines, prevent the things from happening that you may not want to happen, and just create a successful life with your dog from the beginning instead of waiting six months to a year and then you have to come to one of us about... (laughs) reactivity type stuff (laughs) and address the the scary things then because you weren't being proactive in the beginning. And I think that some people don't even realize that it's an option to hire a trainer either before you bring a pet home Mm -hmm. or before you have like a problem that you want to work on. I think some people don't even realize that's an option. It's totally an option. You know, I, I've had the pleasure of working with a couple of client teams who called me and got brought me on board before they even had a dog in mind to bring home Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they wanted to, you know, be set up for success as much as possible. And you know, training, especially for new dogs, it isn't necessarily about teaching them a bunch of, you know, uh, like standard cues and the sort of skills that people think of as being normal dog training stuff. Um, It's usually, at least for me, it's a lot more about, okay, how do we, what does your day to day life look like? How can we Mm -hmm. set up your dog to, you know, learn how to feel comfortable in that setting? Um, What things do you as the human need to know about reading body language and meeting needs and Mm -hmm. uh, management and safety and like all of these things that become so important for lifelong? It isn't just about, you know, teaching them to come when called, which is important. But there's so much more that can go into that that we can really dig into yes. in such a fun way if we can get in there early. I love yes. that. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, same, same. Because it's like an ounce of prevention is what we're mm-hmm. the pound of cure. Like it is so important because not only would we be teaching you how to like set this dog up for success, but also teaching you to how to have like realistic expectations and goals of your dog from the beginning so that you don't go into this thinking that your dog is going to go to every brewery and every patio with you and go to all of your family gatherings and love it. We can, you know, explain that some dogs do like that. Some dogs don't. We can figure out what your dog does enjoy and what kind of activities you all can do together that makes everyone happy and not let you have that, you know, sense of disappointment of, oh, why can't my dog do X, Y, and Z? Because you go into it thinking, okay, so we're going to figure out what my dog does like to do and how we could fit that into our life to where we can all do fun activities together. Together, yeah. And, you know, if you do encounter later down the road, you do encounter things that, you know, if you're kind of reactivity or you're noticing that your dog is a little nervous or a little anxious or anything like that, you start to see signs of other issues you know, if you already have sort of foundation knowledge to know that that's a thing that you should ask about, (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. really helpful. And it means if you already have a relationship with a trainer who knows you and who knows your dog, you can often really get in there so much faster with Mm -hmm. prevention and with, you know, implementing intervention to change, you know, things that need to be changed for safety reasons or whatever it might be. Um, But it means you can often get those things I don't want to use the word resolved because sometimes resolved is not accurate, but you can address those things a lot sooner than, you know, if you don't know what to look for Um, just because we're not born knowing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And most of the time you'll already have a much stronger bond with your dog to where it makes that process easier because you've built so much trust in them through the first 
two or three months of you bringing them home, working with a trainer, establishing those boundaries, you know, meeting their needs, doing bonding games, doing fun activities together, that your dog will be able to easily look to you for guidance versus kind of skipping over that part and not having that rapport with your dog. And then you start to notice these things, then you kind of have to first build the trust, build that guidance, build the the mutual bond with each other, and then work through that reactivity. If you already have that amazing bond from doing all of that work together for those first few months, it makes working through the reactivity so much easier and just so much more fun for everyone as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, with all that being said, if you haven't reached out to a trainer yet and you have a new dog, it is not too late. Please still reach out to us because (laughs) (laughs) we will, of course, very happily assist. Yes. Um, You know, I also, this might be a little bit controversial because the, of course, we don't want to take full training plans just from like the people that we follow on the internet if we're not mm-hmm. paying them for their time to get a fully comprehensive training plan. But mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you have a new dog and you follow reputable trainers on like social media, you can often get really good information about like, okay, where can I go to get more information? Where can I go to find resources on reading yes. body language? Where can I go to find more resources on, you know, fun training games that I can implement now? Where can I go to mm-hmm. find more recesses on more resources on enrichment, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that can always be a really good place to start too. And then if you end up finding someone who you feel like you vibe with, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe you consider bringing them onto your team um, because it's, it's so, so valuable to have a, a professional in your corner um, who can give you the support while you're building this relationship with your dog for, yeah. you know, the length of their life. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned someone that you vibe with, because I feel like that is so important to touch on. So many people will say like they had a dog trainer before things didn't work out and it then put them a little bit farther back in their journey that they would like to be with their dog. So I do think that, you know, the trainer's personality does matter when you are looking for them because you (laughs) want to be working with someone that you guys get along well, your energies match each other, you click, you can, you know, connect with them and feel super comfortable with them. And it just makes it easier to, you know, meet with that person weekly or biweekly and trust them to give you that information with your dog and be able to really absorb it when you do click and you do have that good relationship. And if you do meet with a trainer and you feel like you're not vibing with them, even though they're giving you great information, that's okay to go and seek out a new trainer as well, just for that reason. Yeah. And I love that you said trust too, because for me, trust is a huge component of that. It's Mm -hmm. that I want to have there to be a trust relationship between myself and the humans, because Mm -hmm. that's what ends up impacting the trust that we build between the humans and their dogs, right? Is I want them to to trust that they can ask questions and, you know, we're all going to make mistakes sometimes and that's okay. And we can trust to talk about that Um, because the ultimate goal is to, you know, help with the the dog or dogs if it's an integration situation. Um, Mm -hmm. And we want that trust element to be there. Yes. And you need to trust them. (laughs) Yes. My TED talk on trust is that you need to trust them so that you can tell them what you have going on because sometimes people will think that, They can't tell their dog trainer the quote unquote bad things that their dog is doing because they think they want to judge them. One thing that I love to do is I say, tell me, tell me the quote unquote bad things your dog is doing. And I will tell you the quote unquote bad things my dog does. And we can, (laughs) we can bond over that. Like my dogs aren't perfect just because I'm a dog trainer does not mean that they're perfect little specimens. They are their own individuals with their own thoughts and feelings. And, you know, sometimes they, run around and act chaotic and half the time I don't care because I am also running around and chaotic. So (laughs) why would I try to dull their sparkle? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think part of it sort of circles back to, you know, connecting with a trainer who can teach you about what's 
I also don't like the word normal very much, but I guess like what's normal, right? So like our, mm-hmm. our dogs do dog stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't have a moral compass. So the stuff that they're doing isn't inherently good or bad. It's just behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I think that can be a nice thing to sort of understand going into, especially if you're bringing a new dog home is if there's, you know, say a, a management failure, or we go a little too far in our integration process too quickly. And, you know, somebody has some big feelings about that. It's not mm-hmm. that our dogs are being bad. They're just behaving. And we can take mm-hmm. that as information um, and use it to inform how we go forward. Yeah, yeah. Everything that your dog gives you is information to use in the future. That's like, um, I, I told someone this earlier that we don't want to stop dogs from barking. Instead, mm-hmm. we want to evaluate why the dogs are barking. I right. have people all the time when they find out I'm a dog trainer, they're like, oh, how do I get my dog to stop barking? And I literally flat out, I'm like, you don't. <laughs> I'm not, I am not the person you want to be asking these questions to, because I'm literally just going to tell you, no, you don't do that. And you're going to be like, why are you a dog trainer? Right. But, It's because we're here to teach you how to understand your dog, read them, and figure out what it is they need in that moment. If you think about it, your dog barking is your dog communicating with you. That's like me tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, hey, I need this thing. That's your Mm -hmm. dog doing that. So when you bring Goose's barking outside of my door right now because he wants to be let in. Perfect timing. But he's he's not allowed in here during these times because he will bark the whole time. So that <laughs> is a example. He has this special bark that means the door is closed and I want it open. It's a little bit higher pitched and he stands by the door. He'll do it and then he comes and finds whoever's near and looks at them. And he's like, did you hear me? And then he'll look back at the thing. And then he has his certain bark that's like, I need to go outside and go to the bathroom bark. And then mm-hmm. he has his hey, I want you to come to bed bark. And then he has his, it's dinner time bark. And all of them are different. And I know what they all mean because I watched him, watched his body language during those times. And I actually am like, hey, what is it that you need? Can you show me? And I let him show me. And that has become a way for him to talk to me and let me know what he needs in those moments so I can meet his needs. And it's such a good illustration of communication going both directions, right? It's not just us communicating with our dogs. It's our dogs communicating with us and us learning how to receive that and interpret it. Yeah. Um, And I think that that also actually ties back into what you were saying before about taking the time when you first bring a dog home to really get to know them because Mm -hmm. that's so valuable. You can get to know what their communication looks like how do they let you know the things that they need, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Which means that your communication between each other is just going to blossom even more once you understand what that is that they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And finding like a way to like build off of that because you're not going to bring a dog home and immediately look at them and be like, all right, communicate to me what it is you need. You're going to have to build that trust with them so they know that they can communicate those things too. Because sometimes, especially like dogs from rescues and shelters, maybe a little bit more shut down in those first few months, they might not be comfortable communicating those needs to you. So building that trust in the relationship helps to show them that, oh, okay, maybe I can start to communicate these needs with them. And then once you honor it, they're like, oh my gosh, this was great. Like I, I can, I can do these things. This is really nice. I get what I'm wanting and I can ask for it and I can tell them. And it's like a little light bulb clicks in their head and they're just like, yeah, Whoa, this is so awesome. And it builds that, you know, behavior chain of, I ask for the thing that I need. They do the thing that I need. We reinforce that behavior by doing that. Mm -hmm. And then they do it again when they need it again. Great. I communication like that is so lovely to me and I I love being able to see that build within like dog human relationships it makes me really mm-hmm. happy me um. too <laughs> so uh any other sort of like final thoughts on things you would 
like advice you would give to guardians of a new dog or a dog mm-hmm. who, or guardians who are considering bringing a new dog into their home? Hmm. Remy, what should our last piece of advice be? Remy says, um, make sure that you have a lot of treats available. Let yes. them try all of the different treats and don't expect yes. them to like the same one that your last dog did. Saying that, that, that gives me a good point. Your new dog that you bring into your home is an individual and mm. they're not going to be the same as the other dog in your house or the last dog that you had or your parent's dog or your friend's dog. That dog is a unique individual, just as you are a unique person, aside from your friends and your family. And they should be treated as such in a way where you train them in a kind and compassionate way, but a way that makes sense for them. So you find how they learn best. You find what their specific needs are and you meet those needs and you just learn who they are as an individual and use that to strengthen everything about them. I love that. I, that's, I think my favorite final point. I love that (laughs) so much. (laughs) And thank you, Remy, for the uh, tip about treats because she said no problem. Also, also leave your windows open so that your dog can look out and watch the birds. So there you go. Enrichment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming to chat with me. This has been delightful. Um, If people want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I'm mostly active on Instagram. You can find me at misunderstoodmutt and at at confidentmutts. And then if you would like to inquire about training with me, there's a link in my bio to go to my website where you fill out an inquiry form. Otherwise, it's misunderstoodmutt.com. You can go there, scroll through all my fun things, and we can chat away. Awesome. And I'll link all of that in the notes for this. Um, Perfect. Everyone should go check out Em's account because there's just a lot of great stuff. And I'm really thrilled uh, to hear about upcoming projects. And I know uh, you and Logan have some fun stuff coming up for Confident Mutts, too. So I'll be excited to share those out once (laughs) (laughs) once stuff is live. (laughs) Um, But thank you again. This has been really lovely. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and wisdom. Um, And I think people are really going to enjoy listening to this. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. New Make It Click episodes are released once a month on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now, so make sure to hit subscribe to find out when new episodes drop. If you're enjoying our chat so far, I'd love it if you'd consider joining us on Patreon. Patreon members receive exclusive access to an additional full-length episode each month, Q&A and live office hours with me, and access to other fun and helpful community resources. You can learn more about supporting the podcast and joining the Make It Click Club community at patreon.com slash makeitclick. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at makeitclick.club for episode updates and training info. Thanks for listening.